in conclusion, I think we solved the tax stuff, just like we solved Puerto Rico. <laughs> and finally, uh, this is very important, Eminem apparently did a freestyle rap on the Bet Network the other day. <laughs> And he raps some very nasty things about me. And very soon I'm going to release a response rap on the white entertainment network, HGTV. <laughs> so watch your back, Eminem and live from New York. It's Saturday night. It's Saturday Night Live. Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week, we'll be discussing Season 43, Episode 3 of Saturday Night Live with host Kumail Nanjiani and musical guest, Pink. I'm John Murray, and joining me this week is our resident young person, Taylor Morgan. If you'd like to connect with either of us, you can do so at snlafterparty.fm. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, or rather, Apple Podcasts. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. All right, enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen... Before we jump in tonight, I just have a quick program note that we need to address. As some of you may have noticed, I didn't mention Steve Finn in this week's introduction, and that's because Steve has decided that he needs to seek some professional help in overcoming an increasingly out-of-control straw addiction. Now, if all goes well, he'll be able to get off the straws and be back with us for our coverage of Larry David in November. So, Steve, we wish you well in your recovery. And uh, yeah, we just, we're, we're pulling for you, buddy. We're so proud of you. <laughs> yes. Now, actually, though, Steve did bail on us tonight to get some BS sleep apnea testing done. Um, so thank you for leaving us an alert, Steve. And in case your fan was worried, Steve will definitely be back with us for our next cast. So no, no real drama on that front. So we did get a little bit of SNL news this week. They announced that Larry David is going to be our host for the November 4th outing, and his musical guest is going to be Miley Cyrus. Uh, how do we feel about Larry David coming back for another show? I think it's going to be hilarious. Um, I genuinely enjoy some of his writing, so I'm hoping he does have a lot to do with the writing that happens in his show. You do want hosts that are comfortable enough when they show up at the show that they can bring a lot of their personality, and he is kind of a comedy writing heavyweight that might be exactly what the show needs right now. Mm -hmm. We've been noticing a, a trend with some of their live material that it it's feels a little bit weak and, you know, maybe they're not really sure where they're going with their concepts. So there's, there's some room to tighten up the live material. He might actually be a good asset to have on hand to help with that. Maybe that helps uh, elevate the show a little bit. I'm looking forward to it too. I think it's going to be a good show. Uh, I'm at least very hopeful that it will be. Yeah. Turning to feedback. We received some very passionate feedback this week, but it was all mainly focused just on one sketch, and we will leave our audience to guess at, at which one that might be. So rather than tackle it here at the top of the cast, we're just going to deal with it when we get to that sketch. So let's just jump right in. Alrighty. Cold open. Trump speaks to his supporters in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Harrisburg is uh, fitting, considering <laughs> all everything that's going on, but um. Kind of kind of over the whole, like, Trump comes back once a week, paraphrases every hypocritical thing he's ever said. Eh, it wasn't enough for me. Sure. Yeah, not a whole lot to latch on to. I felt like there was a, a nugget of something kind of cool with him kind of like remotely uh, stage managing Pence's ejection from the sporting event and then Starbucks and then the wedding. Like, there was something there. I just feel like they didn't quite, 
I, I just don't think they quite took it as far as, as they needed to, for that to really kind of be like a strong, uh, element in the cold open. So yeah, it was, it was kind of lackluster. It is. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Let's not dwell on it. Let's talk about Kumail Nanjiani married a white woman. <laughs> what do we think of his monologue? Um, I, I mean, I love Kumail. I think he's hysterical in everything he does. Um, the only thing that I, I thought it was kind of sad at one point, because I've noticed that a lot of the people of color who come on to host the show, mm-hmm. the only thing that they really have big to talk about and to hit on is racism. And I find that so sad. Yeah, it's, it is sad, but true. I had the same thought. I thought Chappelle, Aziz Ansari, yep. even though each one of them had their own fresh angle on it and each one of the monologues I felt was really strong in its own right. Absolutely. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm thinking, why does it always have to be about race? Mm-hmm. But that said, I don't want to knock it down because this was a very stunning monologue. He really held his own out there and the material was fantastic. I yeah. I got more laughs concentrated into his monologue than maybe for the whole rest of the show. I think he might be right there. Yeah. yeah. So I, I definitely have to applaud yeah, just how capable he is and, and how, uh, yeah, how solid his delivery was on all of that. I really, really enjoyed it. An informed racist is a better racist. <laughs> Very true. Let's take a look at our first live sketch of the night. Bank Breakers. Paul can't lose in a game he doesn't want to win. It kind of reminded me of the Melissa McCarthy one, mm-hmm. where she was just repeatedly getting the pies shoved yeah. in her face. Can't catch a break, right? Yeah, she can't catch a break. The luck isn't going her way. Mm-hmm. But I did. Uh, I like seeing Pete, Pete Davidson. That was nice to see him pop up in a sketch. <laughs> yeah, but that, other than that, I didn't have too much to take from it. Okay. Uh, I actually really like this. I mean, it, it is a game show. So right off the bat, you're thinking, okay, uh, we're obviously a little light on material this week if this is what we're leading with. Mm-hmm. But I do appreciate it when they come up with something fresh for a game show. Like it's not just maybe Celebrity Family Feud or something like that. Like they, yeah. they do find a fun little deconstruction of a, of a game show and it, they hit it from a different angle. And they did that with this. Like this is kind of, I don't think we've seen this exact scenario before where yeah. the person actually doesn't want to win because he's, he recognizes he's not deserving and he's coming off looking like a jerk. It, it, it's fun. And, and I felt like Kumail did a really good job in his yeah. role. So with how sort of hit or miss the sketch material has been over the last few weeks, mm-hmm. I was really watching closely to see if I felt like they built a nice well-rounded sketch that really kind of kicked off the show. Right. And I felt like this was pretty solid end end. That's fair. After that, we get our first pre-tape Kelly wise, the clown preys on an unsuspecting Anderson Cooper. So this is our first, uh, outing for Kate tonight. What'd you think of your girl? Um, I think that this sketch just proves how versatile she is in everything she does and how <laughs> if they have like a weird off role that they just don't know what to do with, they can just give it to her and she can make it funny. Yeah. Like that's just what she does. Yep. Yeah. Uh, she's stunningly good at changing up her characters there. Now, obviously there's a lot of editing involved in this. This is yes. not a live sketch. So when she goes from being the demonic clown to being Kellyanne and then being Clinton, yeah. you know, even though that's not a real time thing that she's doing, it really punctuates how sharp all of her characters are because you see the difference immediately. Like just the gaze on her face when she's Kellyanne and she's a little yeah. spacey and just a little out there and then back to the demonic cloud. And there's an intensity that she's bringing to it. And then Clinton too, like, it's hard to always recognize how sharper Clinton is because she doesn't really look a lot like Clinton. She's so much younger, yeah. but the voice quality that she puts on the little bit of strain in the voice, when you see that right next to another character, that's so different, you have to just applaud how good she is at realizing characters. And yeah. this was really great at showing that now 
as a, a sketch on its own, like this was a pretty dark ride. Yeah. So aside from just being a really great example of, of Kate's prowess, do you feel like this sketch held up? Did you have fun with it? I had fun with it. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of surprised they didn't do anything with it sooner, but I mean, like I was kind of happy that they took something so dark and <laughs> twisted and applied it to a political sphere because it can be applied to a political sphere. Yeah, the the character of Kellyanne has come a long way in the last couple seasons. You know, yeah, <laughs> we started with um, Kellyanne's day off, and she's peppy and she's happy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then over time, they've you know twisted her into she was uh, you know a femme fatale, and then she goes out the window, and it turns out she's the supernatural being, and now they're like <laughs> totally going full steam ahead with the Kellyanne as a demon thing. Um, it it's a bizarre piece for them to come up with. But I'm kind of glad they did because it, it really was affecting. I, I It was not super heavy on jokes, but I was glued to the screen. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll, yeah. I'll give them that. Like I was, I was very engaged. Absolutely. Yeah. In a, in a dark, freaky, I'm not really sure what I'm looking at kind of way. Uh, yeah. It was, it was definitely a ride that I enjoyed going on. So for yeah. sure. Win for me. Mm-hmm. So after that, we get another live sketch. A Halloween office party receives some concerning info from their boss. Uh, I found it funny in terms that the, the boss was able to ruin the party, even though he was in a completely different part of the world. Sure. (laughs) I found Keenan's presence, probably the funniest part of the sketch overall, just because it was just like a one, it was like a one punch joke. It wasn't really like a kind of like, it didn't really go anywhere. Sure. And the ending was a little flat. Yeah. I had a little bit of trouble figuring out where they were trying to go with it. They start with everybody trying to talk to the boss over the speakerphone and he's not hearing them and they're not hearing him. And there's just a whole lot of back and forth of trying to like make a joke and then have it not land because he's not, you know, following. Yeah. I was actually kind of amused by that. Like thinking like, Oh, is this going to be like a whole sketch? That's a dissection of how awkward it is to try and be clever during a conference call when the time delay and the static on the line makes it kind of impossible to land a joke. Is that where this is going? And I, I kind of thought that would be a fun thing to explore, but then they got right off that track and then they get into the whole, well, you've got gonorrhea or no, what hepatitis did, A. <laughs> gonorrhea comes later. Gonorrhea comes later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they they get off that track and they get into the whole uh you know hepatitis thing. As they get into it, I'm like, okay, did he do something nasty to the cake, not realizing that he was going to give everyone hepatitis? Like, is there gonna be like something raunchy about all this? Yeah. They didn't go down that avenue either. And then it just kind of became the consternation of them trying to wrap their heads around having hepatitis. And I just felt like there was maybe some missed opportunity or they just weren't really like focused in on where the jokes could be in this kind of material. I, th- I thought it was a, a clever idea to explore and I just don't feel like they maybe found the best, uh, best jokes to bring out. Yeah. So yeah, not, not much else to say about that. Let's move on. Debet Goldry. She's back to discuss sexual harassment in the film industry. Now, before we jump in here, this is the sketch that kind of, got people's ire up. So we got a few different opinions from, from some of our regular listeners. And so I'm going to run through all of them and then we'll see kind of where, where we land on it. Uh, pretty in pink checks in. She says, I am no fan of the Tibet Goldry sketches, but the fact that they used it to address the Weinstein scandal is downright infuriating. It added nothing to the overall episode and it was tacked on just so SNL can claim they addressed the scandal in their show. So that's, you know, that's, that's pretty strong condemnation. Now, um, listener plop kebab followed up 
And in response to Pretty in Pink says, maybe part of it is because the character of Debet served as an absurd, outdated caricature of the horrible way in which Hollywood treated women. A relic of the past, so distant that we can all joke about it now. Oops. So that's, you know, that's kind of astute. Mm-hmm. And then Colts Metzvin weighs in and says, in response to Pretty and Pink's comment, I have to disagree. I thought this was the best outing for the character since her debut. The fact that she started feeling more modern and a lot less like a relic of old Hollywood made it feel more sharp as a sketch. The laughs were still there, but it felt even weightier because the tie-ins to the Harvey Weinstein scandal. Okay, so there's the whole spectrum. So where do you fall on all this? Did this resonate with you or were you put off by it? Um, honestly, kind of the latter, really, because I mean, as a sketch itself, we've seen Tibet Goldry so many times that it kind of felt, it almost felt like them saying, we have no other ideas, so we're just going <laughs> to throw this in there because sure. we've already used her to talk about a similar topic. Right. That's what it kind of felt like to me. But, um, some of the points they did make about men should be appalled because they're human beings, not just because they have a family member that is like a sister or a daughter or something like that. That resonates. That makes you really like sit there and think about it. But I just, I've seen enough of the character and I felt like there were so many other ways that they could have played this out with the same semi-serious tone. Sure. So as much as you didn't want to see the sketch again, you're not going to deny that the message is important. Exactly. You know, we like the sketch or not, <laughs> there was something to be said. Yeah. The message is still the most important part of it. Sure. That's fair. I've been scratching my head. I've watched it three or four times now. And my first thought is, wasn't the strongest outing for all the reasons that, you know, we don't need to drive into the ground. We've seen it too many times. Mm-hmm. They didn't reinvent it. So just as a sketch on its own, I didn't feel it was the strongest outing. And like most other people, it wasn't something that I was hoping to see in the show. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like they had a real opportunity with this because they did have a character that was just tailor-made to tackle these issues. It seemed like if there was any existing sketch that they could have pulled in and done something really brilliant with, this would have been it. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like this was their opportunity to have another like black jeopardy moment where they have a reoccurring sketch that sometimes is a little lackluster and we're not always like super thrilled to see it. But occasionally when they find a fresh way to run at it, it can be really inspired and, and just, refreshing Mm -hmm. to see it repurposed to say something. And I feel like they wanted to do that with this, but I don't feel like they quite figured it out. Um, At the end of it, Debet Goldry kind of like looks right at the camera, perks up, sheds a little bit of her frail old lady persona and kind of like addresses the audience. And it seems like she's going to have this big rousing moment, like this, (laughs) this finale moment where she like, rises the occasion and kind of like finds her legs and says something Mm -hmm. really meaningful at this round table after all of these, you know, bizarre out of touch statements that just show that she's just not all with it. And she has nothing to contribute with regard to the reality of Hollywood today. It seemed like they were going to have her kind of like step up and have something to say that was going to actually be poignant. Yeah. And then like, as soon as they kind of started like, laying the groundwork for that moment, it feels like they just, it it all fizzled out and she just kind of like slinked back down and didn't really have anywhere to go with it. Yeah. So to me, this feels like writing that just didn't get anywhere. And that's why I can't call this a win. And I feel like it's kind of the same with a lot of the sketches we've seen the past couple of weeks where they start off really strong and they just fizzle out at the end. And you're like, so what just happened? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. What, what's the takeaway here? (laughs) Yeah. I feel exactly the same way. We've been seeing that 
way too much the last few episodes and a lot tonight as well. I think the running theme of this episode is fun concept, not very well realized. Yes. And I really hate to say it. I I don't want to knock SNL down, but I just writing wise, I'm starting to feel like there is a serious trend in how these sketches just aren't coming together the right way. And uh, I'm super hopeful that they're able to rein that in and get on top of that because it's, it's not making, (laughs) it's not making for the best outing so far. Oh yeah, I agree. Yep. Okay. So let's look at Pink's musical performances. Her first song, What About Us? And her second song, Beautiful Trauma. What'd you think? I think Pink has a very brilliant stage performance, whereas she always has people's attention. She's always able to draw in a crowd. Mm-hmm. And her vocals are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't deny that. Um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, like everything. I mean, you look at her and you just think about like how cool she is. <laughs> like she's like kind of out of place, but she makes it work. And that's just something that like draws you into her performance. So yep. I think she nailed it, really. Sure. I was really, really enjoying this as well. Mm-hmm. I think that she's a brilliant performer. Her vocals, uh, like you touched on, exceptionally strong. Like she can just really, really belt it out yeah. and it's pitch perfect and the range is stunning. Uh, yeah, nothing but good things to say. And the songs were good too. Like just these kind of heartfelt anthems that seem to be a, a cut above just your your typical pop and and I, I eat it up. I think it's really good. Yeah. Hi guys, I want to jump out of the cast for just a minute to talk about some of the fun rewards we're offering to our listeners through Patreon. If you're not aware, patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash SNL podcast is where our most awesome listeners can pledge their support for the show and in turn receive a variety of patron only rewards. You can pledge any amount you want and for as little as $4 per month, you'll get early ad free access to each new podcast episode on Sunday nights immediately after we record. But that's not all we're offering. Our patrons can have us promote their events, shows, products, or businesses. They can get us to perform an SNL sketch on the cast, or even join us as a guest reviewer. We're offering seven reward levels, from NBC Page all the way up to Lorne Michaels. So head over to patreon.com forward slash SNL podcast and check them out. It's your support that will ensure that we can make the cast as great as possible, and we're so thankful to everyone who's already pitched in, like Peyton from Texas, who was one of our very first featured player patrons. Peyton, thank you so much for your support. And now, back to the show. Let's take a look at Weekend Update. Jost and Che, um, they come out swinging at Harvey Weinstein this week. Is this what you want to see for the opening salvo? Yeah, I think talking about it is one of the most important things that we can do, especially in the position of Saturday Night Live and the Weekend Update, where most of what is taken from the show is from Weekend Update. Sure. We've seen a lot of where the big headlines are coming from what they have said during Weekend Update. And I feel like talking about it is one of the really most important tools that we have. Do you care that they didn't hit Harvey Weinstein last week? I think waiting a little bit gave it a little bit more power in the sense because there are still more women who are coming out and telling their story. Okay. So you just think it's a bigger story this week than it was a week ago? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's probably fair, actually. I never really looked at it from that angle. Um, I just assume that with the Las Vegas shooting so fresh when they were writing last week's episode that this just really didn't come to the top of the stack. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on it. I thought most of the jokes were pretty solid. I kind of like it when they come out of the gate with something other than Trump, because then when they transition into Trump, it just feels more fun for some reason. Like when I'm expecting the first joke to be Trump and it's something else, it just kind of like 
is like a palate cleanser or something. And then the Trump material seems more fun to me for some reason. No, yeah, for sure. So after their opening salvo, we get Cecily Strong as Ivana Trump, and she is there to defend herself as the real first lady. Um, well, Cecily is pretty much anything she touches turns into gold. <laughs> but um, I I liked it. It was the most ridiculous character, like besides, besides obviously Kathy Ann, that I think we've ever really seen Cecily embody and sure. really, really bring everything she has out on the table. Like when she puts that whole... Ferrero Rocher in her mouth and she's <laughs> yep. still talking and she's still saying her lines. She broke a little bit, just a little bit, but I mean, I think she killed it. Like she nailed it. Okay. Yep. I've said it before. Cecily strong is great at finding like train wreck women yeah. <laughs> to, to realize those kind of characters. Uh, so this is definitely in her wheelhouse. It was fun. Um, when she did start eating the candy and getting, you know, a little bit, uh, mush mouthy because well, mm-hmm. she's trying to talk through a mouthful of candy. I wasn't really following that well. So some of those jokes just didn't land because I didn't know what was going on. She didn't even know what she was saying. Yeah. yeah. But because that kind of plays into this lady is a train wreck and she's there seeking attention, it was working at that level. But I had still have no idea what the last minute of that sketch was all about because <laughs> she's trying to like put candy in Joe's mouth and he's laughing and it was a delicious kind of a mess. It was yes. fun to watch, but I, I don't know where they were trying to to bring it there at the end, but nonetheless, it was fun. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say that this was like exceptionally great. Cecily Strong is good with her characters. I don't think the material was super fantastic. No. It, it had a few good jokes. I'm glad that it made it to the desk, but this is not something I'm ever going to think about again. Yeah, that's, that's fair. All right, moving on. After Weekend Update, we get another live sketch. Mr. Adams, a newly released North Korean political prisoner, receives some exceptionally bad service from a hotel concierge. (laughs) Honestly, I don't even know what to think about this sketch. Other than it kind of reminded me of like some of the things that Kumail has done on Portlandia, where it's all so wacky and kind of out there that you're not really sure. Like, it's absurd. Like, you're not really sure what's going on. Um... I wasn't totally feeling this one, especially (laughs) with the punch that was randomly thrown in. Sure. (laughs) Like, I understood the gist of it. He just wants to go to his room and relax, but the other guy wants to promote his band, which we don't find out till the (laughs) end, which I thought was the best part about it. Okay. Um, Other than that, no, it didn't really, didn't really land with me. Yeah. I kind of like this one better on second watch. When I watched it last night, I was probably a little tired and... Just couldn't really get on board with it. But when I watched again this morning, I genuinely did get some good laughs out of it. Um, it didn't really escalate to anything fantastic. It wasn't brilliant. But I got to say, I, I did get some good laughs out of it. A few decent moments. So I'm, I'm going to call it a marginal win for me personally. All right. Cool. After that, we get another live sketch. A 91-year-old grandma raises morale at her nursing home. <laughs> I'm not totally sure what they were going for other than making the audience extremely uncomfortable, like so uncomfortable <laughs> that they kind of had to laugh about it. But um, I mean, it's like ageism is real and some old people still want to have sex. And <laughs> I don't know if that's a major issue, but <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the show could care less about championing the cause of ageism and yeah. <laughs> old folks making sure they have a vibrant sex life. Um, I don't think, they were as concerned with the message as much as just having fun with the idea of forcing people to think about old people doing nasty things. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, I I think that is the bottom line for this sketch. And you know what? 
I ate it up. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Like so many of the sketches, it didn't really go anywhere fantastic, no. but the concept itself was fun and it had a few good moments. So again, like just middle of the road, marginal win for me. Yeah. Kate is definitely the resident old person in the cast though. Yeah. She's uh, always the old woman. I wonder if it's just because they have so many like neck waddles already built for her that <laughs> it's just an easy, <laughs> an easy production thing to put her back into the, the old people makeup. It's possible. Uh, that's probably not it. It probably just has more to do with the fact that they know that she can sell it. Yeah. If they sit her there and give her a few close-ups where she can put on a, a ridiculous like grimace, like an old people yeah. persona that she'll be able to do a lot more without any lines of dialogue than some players would. Yeah. So I, I think it's just, they're going with, with their strongest player. Mm-hmm. Um, before we move on though, I think it's worth mentioning that Heidi Gardner is continuing to have a pretty good showing for a featured player. She sure is. Yeah. She had a pretty prominent role in this sketch and I think she handled it really well. Like she, she seemed to be able to sufficiently embody the concerned grandchild. Like I feel like because she didn't stand out in the sketch, she did her part. Yeah. Right. She wasn't meant to be front and center, but because there was nothing awkward about what she was bringing and because she just kind of was there servicing it without you ever uh, looking at her and questioning whether she's keeping pace with the rest of them. I think that's a win. Yeah. Yeah. She was just at ease and natural in the moment. And uh, I'm really happy to see it. I agree with that. I think she is definitely fulfilling her role as a featured player and uh, I'm looking forward to see what else she brings to the table. Yeah. I think even beyond just fulfilling her role as a featured player, I think that she's squarely the front runner right now. Like, Mikey and Alex are all but repertory players at this point. So I don't even think that they're part of the conversation, but as far as the four players that are kind of in featured player mode, I think her and Melissa Villasenor seem to be kind of neck and neck for the amount of screen time they're getting. I think so too. Yeah. The amount of actual like spoken parts that they're getting. No. Yeah. I think that's great to see. I think that's really, really great that uh, she's been able to ramp up as quick as she has. I hope that she sustains it because sometimes, you know, you get a few good nights and then we don't see them for five more episodes. So jury's still out, (laughs) but, uh, uh, I, I'm going to call her my personal front runner at this point. And I just can't wait to see if, if she can, you know, get into the next gear. All right. So let's look at our last piece for the night. Our 10 to one is a pre-tape. Melania Trump forms an unlikely bond with a Pakistani call center employee. It was so weird and so different that I think it worked. Sure. Like I thought it, it made me laugh. I mean, I wasn't totally sure what I was walking into when the sketch came on. Mm -hmm. And then once it, they revealed that it was Melania Trump on the other like line (laughs) of the phone, I lost it. I thought that was great. Yeah. I thought this was really inspired. This is a Julio Torres joint. And, uh, I think he, uh, he hit another home run on this one. This one was a lot of fun. And I think probably the best way they could have rounded out the night. Yeah, I agree. I, it, it's so hard to wrap your head around how Julio approaches his sketch writing. Oh yeah. Like I, oh, yeah. I have no idea what the genesis of this would be or how he struck upon the idea of having the little spider be the, uh, little memento to solidify yeah. their eternal bond. Like there's just. <laughs> There's just so many bizarre elements that he's able to elegantly weave into something like this, that when you're watching them on screen, they don't feel as bizarre. Like you you are buying into the whole piece, the whole, the whole scenario, the world that he's uh, laying out. And uh, it's, it's really kind of enrapturing sometimes just how emotional and sentimental, like just how many feelings he's able to well up with the way that he crafts a sketch. I don't, yeah. High praise for Julio. He just, he's just. He's a strange little duck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that he's there bringing these kind of pieces to the show yeah. because at this point, it's some of the strongest stuff in the show. 
I think you would be right on the nail there. I think he is probably one of the strongest writers that they have at the moment. Yeah. Some of the most special moments that we're seeing right now are, are coming from him and really, really glad that he's in the mix. Mm-hmm. So that's our rundown. Moment of the night. Um, okay. I'm going to go with where Cecily put the candy in her mouth. Just because I really didn't know why and I couldn't really figure out what was going on. And I think just the way they handled that and the audience's reaction to it, I thought that that made the whole little take of her at the desk. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Um, For my moment, I'm going with the Kumail opens the box from Melania to discover the spider that is sort of the object to solidify their eternal bond. Uh, Just a bizarre little moment that really just, I don't know. It, it, it made me a a little like sad for these characters. (laughs) It was touching. Yeah. For a brief moment in their uh, dismal existences, they were able to find a kindred spirit to, you know, share uh, their deepest truths with, right. You know, and then they have to let it go. And all they have left to reflect on is this little spider that, that, that is some deep stuff for SNL <laughs> that is, that is. deep and absurd all at the same time. And, and when I see something like that and it takes me a long time to just figure out how I feel about it, I, I gotta say, well, that's gotta be the moment. Yeah, that's fair. Really? How can spiders live that long <laughs> in a box? You can't ask a question like that. <laughs> really? Uh, is there anything about these, uh, like ethereal, absurd little pre-tapes from Julio that makes you think that like the laws of yes. <laughs> of the real world apply. This is a real question. I need to know now. See, now actually when he opened the box, I wasn't sure if it was going to be a dead spider. And that's what I thought too. And there was going to be something a little morbid about the, the death of their little connection there too. Like it could have gone either way and maybe there would have been something just as memorable and symbolic about a, yeah. a sad little spider that... <laughs> became the casualty of these two, uh, little emotional affair. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that could have been clever too. I'm kind of glad it didn't go that route. Having the spider sort of be alive and thriving. I think thematically that just made more sense. Like he's now the embodiment of their moment in time. So I didn't want to see a dead spider. I'm glad that he, he made, he made the transatlantic trip to Pakistan. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, and even though we've already like dissected that sketch, I do want to just point out that at one point in that sketch, when Melania shows up to his office and she berates the bully, they have her decked out in like safari clothes. Yeah. Like she thinks I'm going to this, uh, like third world country. Yes. (laughs) So like, what would like a, a prim and proper first world or, uh, what would be the, the fashionable vision that they would have of going overseas to, you know, uh, a dangerous land full of wildlife or whatever. It would be this kind of safari garb. Safari outfit with flowers on it. Yeah. So yeah. what What a fun little touch that just says like so much about Melania's mindset. Yeah. I just, I forgot to call attention to it earlier. I just really, I thought that was a charming little moment too. So. No, yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's get off that. Let's go for best sketch of the night. I'm going to go with Kelly Wise. Okay. The dancing clown. Yeah. Absolutely. What in particular makes that the strongest outing for the night? Um, I think it's showing how versatile Kate is in her acting Mm -hmm. and bringing a concept like it and then putting it in a political situation where everything actually relates back to one another. Yep. 
Yep. As a follow on to the last one where they did the uh, fatal attraction spoof. Yes. And then at the end, there's this weird, dark supernatural angle to it to have them follow on it with now a full blown, like supernatural outing for Kellyanne. But where at the heart of it, it is still her just craving her next (laughs) screen time. There's something that that really kind of worked in that. And yeah, I thought it was quite a ride too. So I can, I can respect that. Um, I'm going to give it to our other outstanding pre-tape of the night. I'm giving it to the um, Melania Trump and the Pakistani call center guys, little emotional connection there. That's just crazy how enjoyable that was and and how thought provoking it was. And it's just so, so rare to see stuff like that on SNL that I got to applaud it. So that's my best sketch. Yeah. MVP. Um, I'm going to go with, Heidi. Okay. Because we were talking about her earlier and um, we saw her in the pre-tape with Anderson Cooper and we saw her here and there. And I think that um, even just the one character in the live sketch that she was in, I think just like we said earlier, she really, really played her part and she really nailed it. Okay. Um, Yeah, no, that's fair. Like she obviously isn't going to win for screen time or for like carrying the show on her back or anything, but it's certainly worth pointing out that she is definitely moving into the lead position yeah. among the featured players. And yeah, I, I can't, can't fault you for wanting to give her a little bit of pat on the back. Yeah. yeah. A, li- a little, little attaboy yeah. for really coming out strong. I'm going to go with Kate. I think that, uh, she had the, the meatiest material tonight mm-hmm. and the Kellyanne sketch. I, I don't think you can look at another moment in the show and say there was someone who had to bring as much performance ability as what she demonstrated in that sketch. So absolutely. Yeah. She was just so insanely good (laughs) with those characters that I think it just kind of eclipsed pretty much every other performance. And that's, that's in a night where, you know, Cecily was doing some good work. Oh yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's Kate tonight for me. Not going to fault you for giving that to my favorite cast member. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yeah. I I didn't think that was going to be terribly controversial with you. No, not a problem. Okay, the big question. On a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck, how would you rate this episode? I've been dreading this question. I feel like it was decent because even though there were so many misses, there were a few hits that just didn't put it at weak. Sure. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with decent. Yeah, the good compensated for the bad. Yes, exactly. That is exactly how I feel about it too. I think that 10 to 1 pre-tape. And the it parody, Mm -hmm. those were very strong moments for the show. I think weekend update was really firing this week, even though they had some fumbles there in their delivery, there was a lot of strong material this week. So there was a lot to buoy the show and not the least of which was Kumail's uh, monologue, which was stunning. Like that was absolutely fantastic. So you've got four big tent poles there holding up a lot of, (laughs) a lot of weak live sketch material, but there was definitely some high highs. And and so, yeah, for me, it all sifts out into that decent range as well. Yeah. All right. That's a cast. Thanks to our resident young person, Taylor Morgan. If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons get early ad-free access to each new podcast episode, as well as many other exclusive member rewards. You can learn more about all the ways you can support the cast at snlafterparty.fm. We'll be back in three weeks when SNL returns with host Larry David and musical guest Miley Cyrus. This has been episode number 31 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow. Thanks to Pink! Um, Alec Baldwin! 
Here's my fantasy. This is my fantasy. My fantasy is when someone's racist to me, I want danger to befall them immediately. And then I want to rescue them just to see the confused look on their face. Like I want them to be like, go back to India. Ha ha. Wolves. And then I fight off all the wolves. And they're like, we were racist to you and you still saved us. And I go, that is the way of my people. (laughs) 